Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. of the apostles and uh, in the previous two days we have seen that the disciples were told to wait until the Holy Spirit came and filled them. Yesterday you explained what happened, how they were meeting together and the violent wind and the fire came and then they spilled out onto the streets speaking their different languages and suddenly they were emboldened and Peter addressed this vast crowd of people from the nations because after all there was a festival going on at Jerusalem at that time and I guess Peter and those disciples must have been amazed as anybody else there at the result Colin. Uh, Yes I think at the time uh, you know when events like this occur when God does something out of the ordinary uh, you are suddenly translated into another level, really, of spiritual activity. That's the only way I can explain it. This has happened to a number of times, to me a number of times during my ministry. And on each occasion when it happens, you are just so caught up in what God is doing uh, that you get carried along by events. You're not sort of determining what is going to happen. You're not planning what is going to happen. You just get caught up with God. God is very much in control. God is in charge. And uh, you, don't, you don't even have time uh, to assess what is happening or to try to work out the significance of what is happening. You just get caught up in this God event. So Peter and these others were caught up in what certainly was this tremendous God event when the Spirit first came upon them. So Peter preaches this sermon, and the climax of this is when he says in in verse 36 of chapter 2 of Acts, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So what he is building up to is, of course, what the whole gospel of the kingdom focuses around, the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is the Christ, he is the Son of God, he is the King, therefore he rules and he reigns in and through the lives of those who believe in him. Now, the focus turns on the reaction to the people because here now is a public proclamation that the one who was crucified and has been raised from the dead is certainly the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And, of course, that had happened just five weeks previous. That had happened just just beforehand. And, of course, um, at that time... It was considered blasphemy by the, um, by the Pharisees, by the religious authorities, anybody making such a statement. Now here we have another sort of God event uh, of, of an order that was in a sense even greater than anything that happened during Jesus' ministry. And he had said that. Um, he had said that to them that anyone who 
believes in me will do the same things as I have done and greater things still. Well, now they're in the middle of a happening that is a greater thing still, where the Spirit of God is falling first upon 120, but then upon thousands. And um, the reaction of the people when they heard this proclamation that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now you see, people weren't cut to the heart in the same way when Jesus was preaching. What is happening? The, it's time for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon first those who already believe and then upon those who become believers. Something of another order is happening. Something that couldn't happen before the cross, before the resurrection, before Jesus returned to heaven. But it sure begun now. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? How can we put this right? Well, you see, what happens when people come under conviction because they hear the, the gospel proclaimed is they recognize their need of God and, you know, their need of forgiveness. They, they recognize how unacceptable they are to God in their present state. And what can they possibly do to get out of this predicament? Now, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, I'm sure that Peter was under such anointing of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't deciding what to say. This, these were the words that the Holy Spirit spoke through him. And, and there's, there's good reason for me to say that, which I'll explain in a moment. But first of all, Peter is saying you must repent. Now, repent is to be forgiven of your sins, but also it's more than that. It's to surrender your life to Jesus Christ so that he becomes the Lord of your life. So he's, Peter is saying you must repent. You must repent of what you've done to Christ in rejecting him, in crucifying him. Turn your life over to him. Be baptized. First, you see, in water, and, of course, just at the entrance to the temple, at the top of the temple steps, there were the purification baths that people used before they went into the temple to worship. So those were ideal to start baptizing people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, into Christ. Um, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, um, Peter doesn't say they will receive the Holy Spirit when they're in the water of baptism. Jesus didn't. He came up out of the water, and the Spirit came upon him as a dove at the beginning of his ministry. And um, there's certainly this sort of two parts, if you like, to baptism, in water and by the Spirit, into Christ and by Christ. And um, what Peter is making clear, or God is making clear through Peter, is this event that is happening to Peter, the other apostles, to the others that were with them in, in the upper room, this event 
is for all believers, that all are to receive the Spirit in the same way that they have received the Spirit, and it's for their children, and it's for successive generations of believers. Now, interestingly, you see, to all who are far off, that's a clear reference to the Gentiles. Although Peter may not have realized it at the time because we'll see later on in the Acts of the Apostles what God needed to do in Peter's life to get him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But nevertheless, this is the commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, And this is what I believe God is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying through Peter that to whoever is called to be part of God's kingdom, to whoever who responds to the call to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, to acknowledge him as their Lord and their Savior, to all of them there is this promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon them with power. So they're not just born with the Spirit, but they're filled, they're infused completely with, so that the Spirit will flow out of them as rivers of living water. And 3,000 were baptized that day. There seems a very clear strategy to what God was doing through the disciples, that the Holy Spirit was uh, had filled them for a purpose. Ab- absolutely. I mean, uh, nobody... Nobody is filled with the Holy Spirit for his own sake. First and foremost, it is for the purpose of God so that God's purpose can be fulfilled in that person's life. But secondly, that purpose is that the life that is put into the believer will pour out of the believer. Now, Jesus made that clear during his ministry in John chapter 7. He spoke of the Holy Spirit. Uh, although he didn't directly use the word Holy Spirit, um, John explains that when he said, from deep within you will flow rivers of living water, John explains this, he said, of the Holy Spirit who was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. So um, John, of course, was present. Uh, He was one of those who was filled with the Spirit on this day. And he realized right from the beginning of this experience, now that which Jesus said can happen. We have received the life and from deep within us can flow rivers of living water. Rivers of power, rivers of love, rivers of life can flow out of us now just as they flowed out of him. So this was, if you like, God's commissioning service for for uh, these men, and of course for the 3,000 who became Christians on that day. That's a vast number. And it's a vast number. It's a good way to start a church, isn't it? Uh, you start, you know, your first um, member enrollment is for 3,000. quite stretching. Uh, that's quite stretching. I remember when we started our church, uh, we had a series of meetings, um, public meetings, just to establish things. Then we took the first people into membership There were 230. Well, that's a good way because you didn't have to start with 10 and then get 20 and then 50 and then 100 and so on. We started with 230 and worked up from there. That that was a very encouraging start. But this was even more encouraging. 3,000 and soon there would be 5,000. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 